Living the Dream acknowledges the traditional owners of the land it is recorded on, especially the Jagera and Turrbal peoples, elders past, present and future, and their continuing struggles for justice and self-determination. G'day, you're listening to Living the Dream, the podcast of the Hoo-Ha Group. You are here with... John. And Dave. And John, what are we talking about today? Um, could be subtitled Queensland. Last drinks in the workers' paradise. Or <laughs> Queensland, mental, <laughs> mental one day, fucking insane the We'll next. see, but this is the, this is the thing. So I think what we, for a while, what we've talked about is wanting to have an analysis of what's actually going on in Queensland. Yeah, yeah. Right? But it's I think, weird. like, I think a difficulty is probably to address... Mm. is this question of Queensland exceptionalism, yeah. right? So to give mm. the listeners some of the context, there's a kind of meltdown of the political class, the political sphere going on in Queensland. Yep. And we've got a whole series of issues about how we try to understand that anyway, how important yep. is politics, yep. what's the relationship of politics to the struggle against capitalism, these kind yep. of things. And we've also been reading to help us along a 1979 article by Humphrey McQueen Mm-hmm. Called Queensland, a state of mind. Where is it from, John? Uh, I think it was published in Meandrin originally. The so, literary journal. So, give us a bit of context about what that journal was, what was going on in the late seventies, why uh, Humphrey would have written this. Well, Meandrin started in nineteen forty. It's just it was a literary journal started in Brisbane, and it's still going today. Um, the real important context here is that Humphrey, I suppose, in the nineteen in the late nineteen seventies, Humphrey was still. You can tell here that he was still involved in the Communist Party of Australia Marxist-Leninist and they had a particularly nationalist line yep. that they took and you can see elements of that coming through in the article but in particular I suppose Humphrey this is part of a broader book that Humphrey was writing um, Australia in the 1980s and trying to do the sort of work that we're trying to do now just trying to think about what is capital doing in Australia what is capital thinking in the various states of Australia so this article ends up getting published republished in a book that he writes oh, really? a little bit later on which actually has little Overviews of each state and okay. what he kind of thinks about what's going on in all of these states. Because I guess one of the things he starts with mm. um, is kind of a critique of Queens, like a kind of Queensland exceptionalism. And yeah. so that's an understanding, I think, which a lot of people in southern states have. Mm. And a lot of expats from Queensland. Yeah, have, yeah, it's almost a badge of honour that people take. Which is like Queensland is somehow inherently different. Yeah. Inherently reactionary, yeah. you know that there's something about a backward redneck political culture up here to explain yeah. it. I, I don't find that a very sufficient kind no. of explanation. No. So what Humphrey tries to do in this article is then explain the political situation in the late 70s Queensland, actually in the, in the entire 20th century in Queensland, mm. to the kind of structural, social, and economic dynamics of Queensland. Yeah. And so the the picture that he paints is a Queensland which is largely based around rural industries. Yep. So he, which is really interesting, so he presents uh, apparently Brisbane, when he writes at the time, was the only capital city to have less than half the population yeah. in it. Which is a, the, astonishing from Australian standards, where we have um, around 85% of people live in major cities in Australia. Yeah. So, um, so then, so largely agricultural export, yeah. and around this he kind of explains a kind of right-wing Labor Party Australian Workers' mm. Union yeah. institution yeah. linked with the Catholic Church that yeah. kind of grew up in relationship to that. And he, he defines this as kind of similar to the to Iberian fascism, sort of uh, Portuguese, Spanish um, types of Catholic fascism that, that were uh, that, that ruled in those parts of the world from the 30s to the 70s. Yeah. And I mean, and obviously, you know, that's a bit of a political point that he's trying to make, but, but equally I think there's some truth there in the, in the sort of in the way that labor operated, the old guard of labor operated, yeah. in that they were exceptionally right-wing, they were exceptionally conservative, they did everything that they could to maintain 
rural nature of the Queensland economy to the point of actively working against industry mm -hmm. and particularly never benefiting education, never particularly benefiting the development of manufacturing and really not actively attempting to have a large amount of migrants. So, so this is the other link that Humphrey makes as well, is saying that Queensland at the time has much lower educational attention uh, yeah. and also yeah. because it has a lower manufacturing base, it yeah. never attracts the post-Second World War migrant populations yeah. Yeah. That's right. in the same way yeah. that um, Sydney or Melbourne or mm. Wollongong or Newcastle or yeah. did. And so yeah. this, I think, explains some of its kind of parochial mm. Anglo-Saxon character yeah. of Queensland. Definitely, definitely. Um, and I think, sorry. No, you go. Um, I, I guess what we want to do is we want to think about how relevant is this sort of thinking to today. And we want to kind of apply Mark Humphrey's method, yeah. which is a very sound, probably Marxist, properly Marxist method of going back and looking at these statistics and drawing inferences from them rather than applying schemas. So what we're going to do is we're going to think about how true is what Humphrey said today, I suppose. Yeah, I guess like um, the thing that, that, just before we go on that, yeah. the end of Humphrey's article is really Bjorki Peterson. Mm. So he yeah. kind of sees Bjorki Peterson as yeah. not a continuation, but yeah. actually as a, as a moderniser, yeah. as the person who's trying to pull Queensland into the world of, mm. of monopoly capital, yeah. to use that very kind of Maoist language, yeah, they yeah. may be using some of these yeah. leftover ideology. In terms yeah. of the question method, you know, like, yeah. like statistics by themselves don't really say anything. No. I think it's, do the statistics give us an insight into the specific form that capital social relationships take yeah. in Queensland? But to link it, I think, yeah. maybe to make it more topical to the listeners who go like, oh, is this, you know, what, what's the point of this? There's a meltdown currently happening, yeah, right? Definitely. So what's going on, John? Um, oh, difficult to tell from any given day, but basically the main things that have happened recently is, you know, you've got a, the Palaszczuk government was elected uh, very early last year. About and a year ago. It's always been an attentive kind of, they've never had a solid, they've had, you know, a functional majority with the help of the Cata Party. Yeah. Now this is falling apart with the defection of of, of Kansas Jeremy Corbyn. Yeah. So we're, we're really Pine. trying to push that hashtag yeah. Corbyn, Corbyn of Cairns. Yeah. So Rob Pine, who um, is the member from Cairns, has resigned from the Liberal from the Labor Party and is now an independent. So it now means the Coalition and the ALP have equal numbers in the one yeah. house. Yeah. And they rely on the crossbench of the Cata. Rob Pine and the other guy from up north. Uh, yeah, the member for Cook, his name currently eludes me. It would just, it's, it, listeners will, listeners. And, and so to put some of the, the narrative in this, right, as you said, you know, the Palaszczuk government won election about a year ago. Mm. The government they overthrew was the Newman government. Yeah. The, the line that we were talking about at this time last year was the Newman government came to power to address, and then attempted to address the twin manifestations of how the global Great Recession have impacted on Australia, mm. which is a kind of a, the winding down of the mining boom yep. and the accumulating debts that, that, are, that are rising to fund social reproduction. Yep. And it had a strategy where what it would do was try to cut the costs of social reproduction, mm. push some of those costs into the home, mm. um, privatise or lease primary assets mm. yep. and use this money to build stimulative infrastructure, yep. right? Yeah, and this was in line with um, a federal, a fe both, yeah, yeah, both both a, a federal and yeah. international schema. Indeed, mm. uh, coming out of the G20 in Brisbane in 2014 was a commitment to build something called the Global Infrastructure Hub. Mm. That's now been constructed. I think the second Australian Secretary of the Treasury yeah. is um, it, the the head of this body as yeah. well. Yeah. They just got his truck over. 
And he just presented a speech in uh, in Shanghai, of all places, part of the Global Infrastructure Hub, saying that um, this is still the plan. Like, infrastructure okay. globally yeah. is looked at at the moment to both, yeah. like, stimulate investment, but also to increase productivity by increasing the flow of commodities, peoples, these kind of things. Yep. The big issue is how do you pay for it, right? That's right. Now, there was an element of social opposition that arose under yeah, Newman. I think right. it was largely contained and managed by the yeah. trade unions. Yeah. Your definitely. impression? Yeah, I feel that it was, it was... I mean, there were a few... I think Newman government had a, a, a large array of policies which yeah. were very unpopular. Yeah. Everything from, you know, obviously cutting public service. Everyone, people know this. They're cutting back the public service, the bikey laws. Um, you know, there were a, a, a raft of, of legislations that... Yeah. legislation that, that, that went through that was very Defunding popular specific and led to welfare organisations yeah, I mean, led to small scale resistance you know from, um, from from the trade unions there was a few rallies where you know everyone who had been cut back got a bit of a speaking platform and got to protest about it but you know largely there wasn't any real kind of mass base to this it's, I, I think we talked about we talked with Rob for, yeah. who was involved in Queensland Uncut and that mm. was an attempt to mm. develop an independent political yeah, expression yeah, yeah. But, but that ultimately was, was stymied and limited yeah. And, you know, the Queensland Council of Unions did transform this in, effectively mm. towards an electoral campaign. That's right. So, they're, you know, their yeah. not-for-sale body was basically never built yeah. any real um, mm. media organisation, real structure. Yeah. It was election-driven. And to our yeah. surprise, to everyone's surprise, the ALP yeah. won the election, yeah. essentially kind of on the basis of returning social peace. Yeah. It's pursued a strategy where it's just shifted the debt mm. from, st- you know, the key state government books to a section of the debt onto the hands mm. of um, of state-owned uh, energy generation companies and have written yep. about this. And so yep. that's compressed the class struggle around debt into mm. these companies. Yep. And so that's been its kind of overall strategy. A mm. year in, it's yep. falling apart, yep. right? Yeah. But what's also really interesting is that the LNP has not leapt to this opportunity. No. It's also internally falling no. apart. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they're, they're uh, just as fragmented and falling apart as we can see kind of in, we'll probably need to talk about this a little bit, the council election coming up. Okay, uh, so... The Brisbane council election where we see, you know, continued decay of the Liberals, not just at the state level, but at the... at the uh, and the local level as well. So we've got, um, you know, there's, at, at the moment there's a, there's a scandal where uh, basically the Liberals uh, at the council level have lost one of their key candidates. Because he was sent penis to, photos to, to, yeah, yeah, to, to a school kid. Typical Queensland, you know, like everyone's staunch, staunch family values until they get found texting penises to people. This is... So, um, so how do we... Uh, so, what's going on, John? What's going on? That's yeah, a good, good question. And, all this and is, should we care? I think we need to care about what, what's what's going on, you know, because we, 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 we talked about already that, you know, the, the level of social mobilisation that occurred under Newman was, was very small and very easily contained, and the Palaszczuk government has managed so far to do very little. They managed to get, get away with that, yeah. raising no real social opposition because it hasn't really had any policies of any real note that have, that have affected anyone. Yeah, its, it's latest big announcement, again, has been around yeah. infrastructure, yeah. where it put out a state infrastructure plan mm. uh, just the other day. Yeah. So this was reported in the newspapers as a $35 billion infrastructure plan, yep. Yep. which off the top of my head, I think $35 billion is about the current size of um, the state debt. So it's huge, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 but actually all I can find, the, the funded amounts, yeah. I think add up to about $500 million. Yeah. And so this, this focuses on two different things. 
and people should go and check the numbers for me because I've only looked at this quickly. Yep. One which is, <laughs> which is called the Priority Economic Works and Productivity Program. Yep. And the other which is the Accelerated Works Program. So the Priority Economic Works and Pro Productivity Program, these are essentially a series of um, upgrades on highways and hospitals mm. that have been wanted for a while. Yep. The Accelerated Works Program is basically a regional stimulus package. Yeah. So this is an attempt to deal... And I think this is something also about Queensland. There's a deep, stark yeah. regional inequality, right? Definitely. This is an attempt to address that particular northern regional inequality, which has led to the problems that Labor currently has. Back to our, our friend, Mr... Corbin of Pans, Mr. Yeah. Rob Pine, who has left largely, like, so it's interesting. So on the one hand, he has this article in socialist newspaper, Green Left Weekly, he was interviewed. Which is kind um, of mind-blowing, right? Yeah, so you, you have, yeah. like, a Labor MP yeah. who resigns, and yes. the, the largest interview I've seen with him yeah. has been in the socialist newspaper, Green Left, Green Left Weekly. Yeah, and this is, this seems to be because he was involved in the Lady Salento protests, and he was involved in, in some other in some other um, you know other, other protests that, that where socialists were around and yeah. where he was, where he, he met he met um, particular so, a particular leader in the socialist alliance. Uh, actually, the Lady Salento protest we need to comment as well because we if, if, if we're that. trying to have like yeah. the inverted periscope, this yeah. is kind of the high point of a element yeah. of struggle that's going that's going on. Definitely, we do need to talk about that. But let's just stick on northern development yeah. very briefly. Yeah. I mean. In terms of, so on the one hand, he's got these very left-wing positions. He talks about democratic socialism. He's an admirer of Jeremy Corbyn, the Labour, we should clarify, the Labour leader in the United Kingdom. Um, and on the other hand, he said that really he will do anything to get what he needs for North Queensland. Yeah. And North Queensland, as we all know, and this truck pass, has been particularly sort of separatist for, 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 for some time. And this is also the, the Catter Party, which is also on the crossbench, yeah, yeah. also represent North Queensland, right? They so, do, yeah, you yeah. know, in a rough way, you can say the parliament is kind of divided between yeah. two crumbling southern parties yeah. and these kind of populist yeah. electoral insurgency in the north. Yeah, right? definitely. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's very uh, interesting. It's very interesting for the context of, of, of Queensland history because these things... Are uh, they, there's obviously quite a lot of quite a lot of precedent for this, but it's interesting also to think about. You know, we think about North Queensland as particularly right-wing populism. Yeah. And then you know, we forget obviously the only Communist Party of Australia MP ever elected in Australia was elected to the seat of Bowen yeah. in far north Queensland, uh, largely thanks to the Italian migrant population there um, in the 1940s. Um, so this is part of a tradition of, of right and left populism that emerges mm -hmm. from the And even, even the Cato party as well, right? It's no, totally. Kind of like, it can't be read as a right-wing, as a straight right-wing party. It's a generally populist, yeah, yeah. you know, kind of... But, and also, and also there's, there's like deep structural credit. inequalities between the South yeah. and the oh, North, definitely. right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's the same distance between Cairns and Brisbane as it is between Brisbane and Melbourne. And we're talking about they have a much smaller mm. uh, section of, of the population, oh, definitely. huge geography. Yeah. So this is yeah. one of the things that has definitely... Um, Actually, hang on, I want to backtrack track a little bit because I, I get kind of, you know, so we have this political meltdown that's yeah, going yeah, on. Yeah. The point about the infrastructure is, you know, that we now have this ALP government that not only doesn't have, the, um, have a majority anymore, yeah. but it is still jammed by yeah. the structural contradictions that the Newman government attempted yeah. to address and couldn't, right? Yeah, yeah. So the, the ALP government here is having a strategy of trying to, like, how can we maintain social peace? Well, we don't yep. want to carry out any cuts, so we'll see yep. how much debt we can like push to the side. Yep. Now, what's going on in terms of the kind of the dynamic of capital accumulation? Mm. 
people might have noticed that there was the national accounts came out last week. Yep. There was lots of toing and froing about how good the national GDP numbers were. Mm. But if you looked into these figures more deeply, what you yep. saw was actually business investment is actually continuing to decline. Mm. GDP growth was largely fueled mm. by consumer debt-driven spending, right? Yep. So that's worrying. Yeah. But that, that shows me not, not that the Australian economy is successfully transitioning, right, but its pathologies are, inter- mm. are intensifying. Yeah. Yep. But that growth was largely centred on uh, New South Wales and Victoria, Sydney and Melbourne, mm. right? Yeah. The Queensland contribution to GDP growth was quite small. Mm. So that underlying problem Declining yeah. accumulation, rising yeah. state debt are still there. Yeah. They're playing this shell game. They've yeah. now put forward this this infrastructure fund. Yeah. Infrastructure being the idea of mm. um, you know stimulation and, and increased productivity. Mm. However, all they can really put forward to it at the moment mm. is this five hundred million dollar fund. They're going to go to the federal government, mm. begging for extra cash. That's right. Right. Yeah. Now, this thirty five, the rest of the thirty five billion dollars. Those yeah. funds have to be found elsewhere. That's so right. what they're yeah. going to attempt to do is develop, you know, there's already, they're basically going to build a bureaucratic process yeah. to work out a way that they can kind of privately raise money to mm. fund this. Various yeah. forms of value capture, private partnerships. So they're yeah. already in those contradictions. Yeah. The other thing to pay attention to is we really have no fucking idea what this federal budget's going to look like, right? Yeah. Because yeah. this political disorder in Queensland is also on a national level. Definitely. However, yeah. Scott Morrison spoke to the press club, I think, on about the 17th of February. Yeah. And it wasn't really clear to me, but Lenore Taylor, the journalist from The Guardian, yeah, yeah. asked a question where this became obvious, where at the moment the federal government is contributes X amount of dollars to um, state-level funding of schools and education. Yeah. That they're not planning to renew that funding. Okay. Right? So okay. that means that the debt situation of states mm. is going to get worse. Yeah. So these structural contradictions mm. this weak government in yeah. are greater. Now, yeah. if we go back to the Newman losing the election, yeah. at the time we were very dismissive of Lee Rhiannon and other people on the left who wanted to read into this vote some yeah. kind of positive social democratic project. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like yeah. our kind of argument, I think this is, is true, was this was just kind of a refusal to sacrifice. Yeah. Right? I think that is still there. Yeah, no, I, I think so. It's interesting you say because this is just the Liberals' attempt to resuscitate Plan A, which was to force state governments to privatise assets. Yeah. So what they're trying to do is say, well, you know what, if you don't want to sell your assets, we're just going to not give you any more money, and then you're going to have to anyway. Yeah, and so Peter Beattie recently came out. Yeah, yeah. Right, so this is really interesting. Uh, like, yeah. You know, Peter Beattie recently came out yeah. endorsing the idea of, of Yeah, of, of course he did. He's a, he, you know, I mean, I'm not surprised at all by that. I don't think that's a real change in his political mindset at all. I think that he's... he's um, he, he wanted to sell his assets and he was smart to leave that to, uh, to, his, yeah. to his successor. But I, I, guess, I, guess, I guess the point that I want to say is that amongst the political cast, the political yeah, yeah, class, yeah, yeah, sure. there yeah. is this uni- united vision yeah. that they can't get up, right? They're, That's right, they're yeah. constantly falling yep. and failing. Yep. And I think the- it's also really interesting here to think about Adani because the Adani mine is why one of the key reasons that Rob Pine has left the ALP. Largely, and he's the representative for this region. He... he very vehemently opposes this mine and as I've said in podcasts before I don't think it's particularly supported by either the state or the federal government either yeah. they don't see this as really kind of you know um, they, 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 they don't see this as like a long term project that's actually going to make anybody really any money Adani itself is shifting its focus completely away mm. from this project as well so this project kind of seems dead 
and there's a lot of I'm interested in how much of this northern assistance fund that the state government is putting in is going to supplement or kind of be instead of development that was going to happen as a result of the Adani mine, and then how much the federal government's going to need to respond to this as well. Yeah, that'd be like if people want to do it, the state, the inf yeah. infrastructure plans there, you yeah. can go through the projects and, yeah, that's and right. have a look yep. Yep. about what's planned. I think that's, I'm, I, as, as I've talked about before, I'm very yeah. confused about the Adani yeah. mine and Definitely. who's supporting it's a really it and confusing supporting it. Matter. But what is interesting, I think, is this yep. fracture. Yeah. Um, and for me, I guess it makes me kind of think about how we think about the political anyway. Yeah, yeah. You totally. know, so. First of all, like, because I'm trying to write some stuff about this at the moment, I'm for the the other blog, for mm. the Sober Senses blog, yeah, sure. trying to talk about this political failure, bouncing off the idea that our friends and comrades at left flank do mm. want to talk about anti politics. Yeah. So we've talked about anti politics before. John, do you mm. want to give us a quick refresher of what it is? On the spot. On the spot. Oh, I haven't looked at the stuff for a while, but maybe a good way to frame this is actually to frame it in anti politics in the context of. The other weird thing that's happening in Queensland at the moment is four-year political terms. Okay. So, I think that it could basically... So, so tell Queensland us has roughly three-year electoral cycle. People could call an election whenever they want, call an early election, hold on until the last minute, whatever. What they want to do, there's a referendum on Saturday coinciding with the council elections to have fixed four-year terms, which I believe is similar to what happens already in New South Wales and Victoria. No idea, probably. I'm not. I... I, I if we're wrong, we're wrong, but I think that this is kind of replicating what's happening, what happens in other in other major states. So what's interesting here is that both sides of the argument are using what I will, we would call anti-political language to frame it. So on yeah. the one hand, even the yes campaign, the people who are saying, yes, we should have fixed terms, and this is supported by politicians on both sides of politics, trade union, right-wing trade union bureaucrats and capitalists. But not not just right-wing trade union bureaucrats. So yeah. Ross McClellan, Ross McClellan? From the Queensland Council of Unions. Yeah, yeah. Who is still in the glow of what yeah. is the kind of, I think, now mythologised role the QCU played at the Lady Salanto yeah, protest. Yeah, definitely. Is leading the charge for the four-year yeah. votes. Yeah. Right? So yeah. it's not just kind of like, you know, well, yeah. I, I don't pay enough attention to where these Labour Party politicians of the future are in factional games. Yeah, yeah. But it's what's really interesting yeah. in her statement, which is yeah. on the material that the... Um, Electoral Council sent out yeah. is like workers don't want politics; they yeah, want policy. Totally. So, That's right. so yep. it's this anti-political language, as you said. Yep. And then the no yep. case is you can't trust politicians. That's right. Yeah. Now, yeah. To, the other thing that's really interesting about this: there's mm. almost no no campaign, right? Mm. But it looks like yeah. the referendum's going to fail. Yeah. Which is goes which goes to the thing. This is the problem with referendums in Australia are incredibly difficult to get up. Yeah. You need even when you have cross party support completely, it can be really poorly run and managed. Like this yeah. one has it, it can fail completely. But I guess what like, the people at left flank, argue, yeah. like comrades yeah. like Tad and Liz at left yeah. flank, yeah. argue is that yeah. the um, any political language that's mm. used by political forces yeah. is an attempt to tap into a widespread real dissatisfaction with politics. Yeah. Right? That yeah. the very fact that this referendum might fail despite mm. that there's no no campaign. Yeah. The same way that the Newman government fell apart despite not even Labour thinking they were going to win. Yeah. Could be representative yeah. of this kind of broad, soft dissatisfaction yeah. distance for of most people to the political yeah, right. that's right. I mean, and the, that's partly yeah. what anti-politics is an attempt to express. I, I think so, and I think also, you know, you know, there's other things about you know the broader kind of disintegration of the party political system. The fact that you know like, that parties no longer have really core constituencies that they represent. So Mike Beggs has a recent article in Jacobin. Yeah, on yeah. These lines. yeah, yes, definitely. I haven't read that, but it's on my to-read list. 
but yeah, so you know, you got the Labour Party used to represent, you know, uh, the 40-50% of the population are in trade unions, you know, 15% of the population are in trade unions now. Yeah. Very, and doesn't even really represent, hasn't represented since the 1980s any sort of trade union interests, yeah. really. And the Liberal Party as well, you know, the, 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 the capitalist class is incredibly fractured about the way forward, you know, yeah. between people who would say, support the Adani line and people who would and oppose it, and, you know, people who have all sorts of other strategies for dealing with so, dealing with the problems of capital, which, we should note, Australia has remarkably managed to avoid yeah. the problems that are so internationally, far. so far, has managed to avoid these problems. So apparently that great representative of the political art class, George... Megalogenus? Megalogenus, yeah. Uh, has a new article in um, the yeah. quarterly, quarterly oh, essay, God. the journal of the political class, Indeed. about how to address this. Mm. But and part of the, what I'm trying to wrestle with is mm. how do we understand what politics and the political is. Yeah, yeah. And we'll get to what's going on in Queensland in a moment. But yeah. I think the, the kind of argument that I will normally pose myself against mm. is this common understanding that says mm. everything that's wrong with the world is because of what's going on in the political. Either right-wing yeah. politicians are elected or left-wing politicians are elected or yeah. the media's breaking it or Rupert Murdoch's ruining it or whatever. Yeah. But something that's very interesting is about that, you know, capitalist societies are societies where if you look at them on the level of the surface, mm. they have this very clear split between what is called the economy yeah. and what is, is called the political. And yeah. I guess I want to disarticulate the political from the state here. Mm. And, you know, I've been reading this article from Viewpoint magazine by Chris O'Kane, um, mm. which we will link to. Yep. From their issue on the state, if you only read one online communist journal about the state, read Viewpoint Issue 4. That's what I you're going to do this week. Yes. And also um, Ellen Miskins Woods' yeah, article from yeah. New Left Review in the early yeah. 80s on the political and the economic. But okay. to summarise and make it very quick is that so capitalism is a quite unique mm. society where, where, first of all, um, economic power and political power are disarticulated. They're separate. Yep. Yep. And also exploitation doesn't in classic case, take the face of face-to-face -face domination. No. So if you live in a capitalist society, it's a society that appears to be a society of individuals where their social relationships to each other are mediated through commodities, through things. Yep. In that, when social relationships take that form, mm. that both relies on and reproduces a special terrain mm. to manage that society that is yep. formally separate, and that is the state. Yep. Yep. The political mm. is that kind of network of forces mm. that contest the driving of the state, yep. right? So yep. the state is, is bigger than the political. The political yep. can be separate from formerly yep. the state. The thing that I'm very interested in, there's a particular Marxist argument that kind of sees you know, the capitalist class consciously reaching out and grabbing the state and just mm. wielding it like a tool. Yep. The thing that I'm interested in about is how those people involved in the political, yep. they cannot but misunderstand the world they confront, yeah, right? Yeah. Because they are caught up in ideology. They are know. caught up in yeah. the fetishism. Of, yeah. So you have this misfunction. That mm. all, and they're the kind of levels I, I want to get to. So yeah. In, yeah. In a, and also the other important thing is that the state is always embedded in the broader dynamics of capital accumulation. The state yeah. is forced yeah. to deal with the problems of capital accumulation. Yeah. Or this thing we call neoliberalism. Yeah, I'm, I'm not so sure about that. Yeah. I think that the state, I mean, the state has come to play an increasingly large role in the way that the economy has been run in the last 30 or 40 years, I would argue. Certainly the way that, um, certainly the way that, um, so for instance, how the accord in 1983 brought together the unions and business together to kind of 
cut down on strike action. I, I think that in that you know what we see is neoliberalism. What what what's functioned in the last thirty years as this kind of drive to supposedly weaken the power of the state in the economy has actually led to increasing intervention into the into in, into the economy. And you see this particularly, obviously, great example is two thousand seven financial crisis. Well, I guess there's two things I want to talk. Sure. Okay. Want to say yeah, yeah. That. I think yeah. first of all, the the accord, mm. like well, as yeah. the Australian example of, of neoliberalism again. Yeah. Hat tip to Elizabeth Humphreys out there who's doing all the yep. hard yards yep. on the research on, on this. Mm-hmm. Is and neoliberalism really broadly is an example of when capital accumulation went into crisis in the seventies, yep. and various political projects yeah. were able to help coordinate capital's response. Yep. Okay. Right. So, at the neoliberalism, if we're going to use that term, yeah. involved a whole range of different things: reorganisation yep. of capital overseas, yep. um, changing of the internal work processes, rises of new subjectivity. But yep. this had added a political yeah. project, yeah. right? Politics worked then. I would disagree with your argument because yeah. I would say that this is exactly what Keynesianism was okay. in, in the 30s, that facing okay. capital accumulation, mm. a political project was developed, this project was part of how capital mm. restructured itself. And here I'm thinking about this one translation, again in this Viewpoint article, of a, of a Tronti piece, yeah. where Tronti you know, sees the political as this kind of, you know, machine of power and ideas that can intervene in times of capital's crisis. Mm -hmm. I think that's really interesting because that is not what is happening now. Mm, You know, even though there was like a, say, bailouts globally, actually you haven't had a similar political project that's been able to rally people together, carry out a coherent force. So that's a global dynamic. between the state and politics is what, if you want to divide the state from politics a bit, there isn't a political project, but the state continues to function in a way where it's running around, taking from various toolkits that have worked in the past and trying to apply them in various haphazard Yeah, okay. I, and, but, and also that... It, yeah, fine. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm fine with that. So I guess it's the question of, like, can't... You know, so this is, a glo- is this just a global phenomenon? Yeah, Or definitely. is there something about kind of the new reality of Queensland mm. that can also explain um, mm. why politicians are so disaggregated? Now, I'm going to have to run back to work yeah, in yeah. a second. But if we yeah. think about the position... The, the thing we started about with mm. Humphrey's depiction... Yeah. So what does what does Queensland look like now in terms of mm. where what where are people working? Yep. Where are they living? Yeah. How educated are they? How is yeah. it different? Well, this is I think we should look at on the on the one hand the way that employment has thoroughly changed since 1979, whereby the rural sector has incredibly declined in the amount of people who are employed in it, and largely we see instead rises in the. Um, in the health, in the in the um, in the in the yeah, healthcare so, sector and the education sector. Interestingly, people say that the service sector has taken on a lot of this. The service sector's kind of stayed about the same, if not declined a I, little bit. I, I, I guess it depends what you define as yeah, the service yeah. sector as well. Yeah. So if you're looking at the three. Mm. Uh, so if people want to, like, there's a great graph in the um, state infrastructure plan mm. A strategy on page 18. But so agricultural, uh, forestry, and fishing Mm. have declined to just over two percent of employment. Now, obviously, someone could could make the argument that that's percentages of people employed. Yeah. The transforming of internal composition of these industries might mean that the value of the assets that have sold are still huge. But you don't need to employ many people to do it. This is the key point in agriculture. But, But totally. But it's important because it's shaping. This is not looking at. You know, what are the industries contri- contributing mm. to capital accumulation? This is no. looking at where are people working and uh, where are people that's the living, more important right? question. At yeah. this point in time. Yeah, that's right. And so the big ones are healthcare assistance, retail yeah. and trade, 
and cons- and uh, construction, and I think construction and education, construct- and, education yep. um, and food services. Mm. So, and construction would be people either working uh, in the last ten years in the mines, but now yeah. working on real estate construction. Yeah. And so I did a presentation. Um, I'm not sure if I talked about this before in a previous show for as part of a forum that Jonathan Stree, the Greens candidate, mm. um, organised as part of his election campaign, and just kind of looking at what's going on with real estate in Brisbane. Mm. Really interestingly, at the moment, there are currently about 20,000 units, mm. inner city units, mm. uh, in the pipeline mm. by 2017. Yeah. So that's not, that's not that they're all funded, they're all constructed, yeah. Yeah. they're in the pipeline. Yeah. Housing prices in Brisbane over the last year have only risen by about 3%, but yeah. if you take out of that rental apartments, yeah. they have a much more uh, huge increase. But what's mm. happened has been this sudden push onto uh, development of investor units, basically. Yep. And there's already a worry that mm. the market's about to be, be swamped. Yeah, I want to I accentuate this figure by two things that are blowing my mind. Springfield, so that's the north of Ipswich, there's a planned south development. Coast. It's the north of Ipswich, isn't it? Kind of south. It doesn't matter. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, there's, oh, I'm suddenly confused about my geography. Yeah. There, there's a planned development for 10,000 new mm. units around mm. Springfield train station. Yeah. And just on the Sunshine Coast, there's yeah. going to be a new city. Yeah. Aurora, city of colour. With 20, like, so there are yeah. at least these planned huge developments in real estate at a yeah. time when there's been a spike in numbers. Yeah. Um, but then a potential worrying mm. crash of those numbers. Yeah. I think this also indicates that the Queensland population now really is just cluttered in to yeah. the south, the southeastern yeah. corner. So, for instance, Humphrey said in in seventy nine that you know the um, majority of people didn't live in Brisbane. Well, in nineteen ninety in the nineteen nineties that was up to sixty percent. Yeah, and I can't find statistics beyond that, but one imagines that you you would see a pretty much a, a similar rise to about seventy percent, which is roughly in line with the yeah, rest so, of the, so, the rest um, of the state. In two thousand, so we have a state population of what? Five. Of four million. Four. Four point. Yeah, four, so it, yeah. we've got four million and seven hundred thousand in two thousand fourteen. Yeah. So in Greater Brisbane, two million two hundred and seventy-four thousand live in Greater Brisbane. Then if you include the Gold Coast, that's another five hundred sixty thousand, and the Sunshine Coast, another three hundred thirty. So mm. that's doing some maths roughly at a four yeah. million, four million seven hundred thousand. It's over three million of those yeah. live in that southeastern corner on the coast. Yeah, that's right. Yep, yep. And yep. these are people who are working retail. Yep. Health services, education, yep. these right. kind of things. What in the map is called knowledge development. And yeah, this is this is amazing. There's a map in the state investment plan yep. of like the future of Queensland. This is on page 19 of page A strategy, and yep. there's knowledge, perfect, perfect, knowledge, service, professional services, and knowledge are a tiny corner. While there's huge like ellipses with energy, outback tourism, tropical expertise in yep. other areas. So it's pretty hilarious. Yep. So. Can you join the dots on this? Can you say that there's something in the transformation of where people are working? Without being too robotic, where mm. people are working, where they're living, with the hollowing out of political parties? Because I have a hypothesis. I want your hypothesis. So I think this is basically the shape of the new working class, mm. right? Like, and by this I mean, um, you know, people who live by selling their labour power, yep. who are like the working class in Australia, are deeply in debt and highly yep. mortgaged, yep. who live in, in, who are now who. Um, only a generation or two in yeah. the areas they live in yeah. and have no strong, except for key sections of them, maybe yeah. some in the public sector, some in construction, some in um, element, 
small yeah. amount of nurses, you know, yeah, the yeah. Old, unless, unless people in the older industries, yeah. no clear ideological or professional commitments yeah. to the old organisations of the 20th century. Yeah. Now, I'm not, I don't think this makes people reactionary or no. not uh, interested in struggle or political yeah. fights. It just no. means that the old political forms and these mm. people's lives don't connect. Yeah. I think that this is important to think about this vote that's happening. I mean, in a way, it's kind of, who cares, three, four years, whatever. But the fact that there's been a concerted campaign by the political class and, sec and all these sections of the, I guess you could see the political harassment's overlapping into the state oh, ideological apparatus, that they all support this vote, but that it's going to lose, yeah. indicates you know that there's a distinct level of political, of at least political level opposition to the state, to the, to the political class. It's not being represented by any yeah. of these old bodies that clearly are not talking to people in the way that they used to. They're using old. They're using these means of communication that worked in the past but aren't working anymore. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think so. And then, then also understand that this this working class, um, yeah, is you know the, the rates of migration to Queensland are less than what they are elsewhere, but oh, increasingly it's yeah. a risingly multicultural in uh, southeast in southeast yeah. It's a risingly yeah, yeah. multicultural class. It's a risingly yeah. educated class. Yeah, that's right. You know, I think it'd probably be as internally stratified in terms mm. of wealth and income as yeah. the working class is in Australia. Yeah, you know. Part of my kind of then, you know, polemic is to say, this is us, right? Yeah, you know, right. Yep. this is us. This is the reality we should be trying to reorient to, mm. and we shouldn't be too like. Yeah. We should only be looking and laughing at what's going on state parliament as yeah. the decay of old forms, Definitely. rather than a gnashing yeah. of teeth. Yeah. I, I I'm going to have yeah. to run back to work yeah. in a second. I think where this is kind of interesting. Yeah. Is the Lady Salento protest mm. right? So we've written about written a couple of blog posts on this. Very interesting. Mm. Uh, for, for, uh, you know, there's been a fairly moribund movement around the, the horrific treatment of refugees in, in Brisbane, an attempt yeah. by some good comrades to break out of that in the last couple of years, but that's been yeah. held down by the dead hand of activism as usual in the Refugee Action Collective. Yeah. We have this almost event, to use Bajuian language, that comes out of nowhere, yeah. that pulls together the defiance of doctors, yeah. this vigil that becomes a blockade, almost yeah. at the drop of a hat, yeah. this widespread kind of symbolic hashtag let them stay kind of action. Yeah. It's now being transformed by a circuit of actors, churches, Get Up, Queensland, yeah. um, C Community Alliance, yeah. to... The way that they're presenting it is a campaign of non-violent direct action to offer physical sanctuary to yeah. those refugees that are facing deportation. Yeah. Now, Get Up, mm. community, um, Queensland Community Alliance, or whatever they're called, the QCA, yeah. these are attempts by old political, by the political class to respond to new conditions. Definitely. You know, like, so... Get Up itself, you could say, is a way of the old political class attempting to use new tools to, to communicate. So I think, you know, from already on the ground, yeah. um, this is presenting an interesting contradiction. You know, yeah. there's some really good coverage of uh, yeah. what happened at Lady Salento, not just on this blog. Mm. Andy Payne's written mm. something. Yeah. I think her name is Kath McLeod, wrote an article on Vocal magazine that's really amazing. Mm. Okay. But uh, it also unveils the kind of dynamics that have been going on within the religious, like a radicalising religious community to do stuff around this. Yeah. Um, so that's really kind of fascinating. It is. But there was a completely despicable email sent out by the QCA mm. where basically they claimed that it was their organisational centre mm. that provided, um, you know, the, yeah. the gumption of this protest and that if yeah. it hadn't been for their organised trainees... When the blockade happened, it would have fallen into disarray and confusion, yeah. right? So the, or these are some of the new tensions and articulations. Mm. And when I was in uh, one of the big meetings after the vigil, yeah. 
it was really interesting seeing, I think, the attempts by the kind of professionalised paid elements of the political class mm. to internalise the decision-making within their bodies. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, on one hand, I'll take my ultra-left cap slightly off. I don't think, at the moment, it's get up, it's the churches that are taking the initiative, yeah. are pushing this forward. Yeah. The relationship between any movement that's emerging and these new shapes of the political classes is going to be a complex and contradictory one. Definitely. Echoing what the, the complex and contradictory relationship between between trade unions and the movement was in the 20th century. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I, I think that, you know, there are these, there are potentially, what Lady Slater shows is the new, is how this kind of new forms of political actors are going to start to emerge with, yeah. with, with people who are not formally organised in any particular group coming together, as always, as always in the history of social movements, people coming together around a key issue who are not normally being politicised. This is outside the realms of the traditionally organised left or right, and they break with those forms. Yeah. And this could be the beginning of something where we see some fundamental breaks. We yeah. need to. We need to see and some I, fundamental I, I, breaks. And I also kind of think as well class. that the kind of... Um, the ability of self-organisation that has happened mm. there has been downplayed. I think so. You I know, mean, so there's a lot of... A lot the QCU of... have been, I think, pretty ridiculous in that attempt to sort of... <sighs> Glamorize their role. They provided a few. A that's few this is a separate there. separate issue. Yeah, yeah, you know, totally. Like, yeah, yeah. So the, the way that I've kind of like obviously it's really good if yeah. the trade union leadership yeah. um, wants yeah. to become involved in something in some sure. ways, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's, but yeah. I guess the complexity of it is that yeah. I think we need a clearer analysis of, of what did they actually contribute. That's true. And uh, you know, yeah. so how like how many members do they have? Yeah. What is the size of their budget? Yeah. How many dollars did they actually put forward? How many yeah. of their paid officials were involved? Yeah. How many people did they mobilise that yeah. wouldn't have been there yeah. if they hadn't done it, yeah. right? Because I think there's probably a number of people who were either yeah. paid officials who would have gone anyway yeah. or were probably people of a left-wing political commitment yeah. who yeah. would have gone anyway, but right. on the yeah. union day, they went with their union identification. That's right, you know? yeah, and yeah. I, yeah. I'm, saying, I'm saying this not from just like, you know, like, you know, I'm a union member, I'm active in the in the union, yep. but uh, to have claim no easy victories, tell no lies, yeah, let's have totally. a realistic understanding. Yep. But the also, but the, the problem on an ideological level is yeah. that people are still, at Lady Salento, are still associating the unions with the working class yeah. when they should understand themselves as the working class. Does that make sense? It does. You it know, does like, make sense, yeah. So we look to these bodies and say they represent, but actually we are the social force. Speaking right. of which, I've got to get back to work. Yeah, just one, so let's wrap this up really quickly. John, so we started thoughts. with this idea about of what Humphrey says, you know, we're talking about this, this idea that Queensland is different. Humphrey says, you know, no, what is actually happening? He has a really good line in there. He talks about Joe, how Joe, on the one hand, represents all of these old ideas. He represents rurality. He represents that perhaps a rural idiocy that Marx talks of. But what he is actually doing at the time is undermining that very same form of life through massive development Mm. Through corruption, through all sorts of things. So in the one, so we've got this contradictory situation where Queensland both seems to represent the old, but also is on the vanguard of the new. Mm -hmm. And I think we can probably say something similar today as well. In the way that you know, the way that we could probably say that what's happening, what 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 happens in Queensland isn't maybe like some backsliding, like twenty years. You know, you're no longer flying to Queensland and have to set your clock back one hour in ten years. Mm. Now you are. Um, potentially looking at the future in a yeah, lot yeah. of what's happening a lot of what's happening around here you know the um for instance just this morning we see that, that um that jonathan Suri, there's been a court order taken by the casino developers yeah to silence yeah. his 
a satirical video, video. His satirical which video. as someone working in copyright, I think he could claim fair use under satire. Oh, don't, yeah, yeah, no, I think it's a hollow case, and I think it's just hilarious, you know. Yeah. But it just show, I think, the power that, you know, that, that where, what, where are the new forms of social antagonism coming from, and I think a lot of this development stuff that's happening, a lot of opposition that's emerging out of Jono's campaign, which we can't talk about here, might be something, again, that, that where we're starting to see some contradictions emerging to say the Queensland maybe is actually ahead of the curve. Yeah, and I guess kind of two, two things that are going to be particularly interesting. Yeah. So, we will see what happens, like, if the shift of let them stay, mm. um, if it can shift into something beyond the activism as usual rat kind of stuff. You yeah. know, there's, yeah. there's 100 plus people who, no, I'm not one of them, I haven't yeah. had the time, who are involved with the churches and with Get Up involved in yep. this training procedure. Yep. That's really interesting, very exciting. Yep, right? definitely. See what happens um, there. There might be some other kind of green shoots. This council election will mm. be really interesting. I think, you know, like, yeah. uh, I, I, you know, we're terrible at predicting elections. We are. We're so gonna I'm going to say it's close. It is you close. Know, but yes. I think it, can, it might genuinely reflect the continual meltdown of the political class. Yeah. Uh, it would be very interesting if the referendum fails. Right, yeah, because and I think the, I'm going to predict closing. that it will lose. All right, there you go. But I'm not going to predict the outcome of the council election because that is not something that I'm going to do again again. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right, John. Well, I'm going to run back to work. Yep. Great. Um, I think we should continue our. We, we've got a whole bunch of. I think there's people we need to talk to. We need to interview after the election campaign. Yeah. I'd like to pull aside some of the people that are involved in Jonathan Street's campaign and yeah. go look. How did you combine this attempt to kind of like mm. contribute to extra parliamentary and a parliamentary campaign? Was yep. that successful? Definitely. Where do you, you think you can go next for struggle around the mm. right to the city? Yep. We need to talk to some more people that are involved in the sh in hashtag Let Them Stay. Yep. Uh, get some more of that experience down. Is, uh, is, is definitely one thing. I'm also working on a big podcast on Rosa Luxemburg. Lovely. So Sounds great. I wanted to get it ready for her birthday, but it's just blowing out. But um, these things do. So we'll, we'll talk about it soon. So there's a lot more happening. You've been listening to Living the Dream, the podcast of the Hoo-Ha Group. Have a wonderful day.